With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Baseball family, welcome to your source for the 2022 MLB playoffs with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Briggy Blue Eyes. Thank you for joining us live as we watch history in the making. And now, baseball together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. And because it's the postseason, we are coming at you live on the YouTubes, Twitch, and Facebook. So hop on and join us. I guess if you're here, then you already are, or you're listening the next day. So I guess it doesn't matter. Anyway, let's get down to this. I'm Brad. As always, I've got our co-captain here, Brig. Welcome, Brig. How are you this evening? Frustrated. How are you, Mr. Brad? <laughs> Good. The whole headphone situation's really got you, huh? <laughs> and the rain delay. You combine the two, and, and the I rain am day. an upset camper. Happy camper. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Yankees and Guardians, game five, currently in a rain delay. They got to get this game in, bro. Like, big time. It's nine thirty Eastern. Like, what are they? They can't wait till tomorrow. No, they can't. Well, and you know, this reminds me of um, back in nineteen ninety five. The only reason I remember this is because of because I watched the Dave Niehaus cassette tape like a bajillion times. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I think it bajillion. was. I want to say it was uh, like game three or game four between the Yankees and Mariners in the in the ALDS that went like I think they played to like 1:30 in the morning because of rain. Yeah. Right. You know, so I think it's going to be a similar situation here. Whoever advances, the Astros are going to have a monstrous advantage on Tuesday. Yeah. They really will. Because cuz you know how it's it's like it's not the next day, right? It's the second day of sleep deprivation that really gets you. <laughs> That's the one. That's so. the one every time. Yeah, every time, and that's the that's the day they're playing. They have to travel sometime in there. They'll probably skip batting practice to help get a little bit more rest. It's gonna mess up everything for game one for whoever the challenger is. Doesn't and matter who. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. So keep an eye on that. Brig has Brig will have an update for you as soon as we have a first pitch or any any information about a pitch. Brig's yeah. got it going live off screen there, so uh, so he'll let you know if you're watching live. Welcome on YouTube and uh, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, let us know who you are. Let us know. Let us know that you're here. We want to say hi. We'll give you a shout out. But before we move on to anything real quick, I do want to talk about something in game four from that series break from the Yankees and Guardians. Okay. Um, just one thing in particular, Josh Naylor, literally Brig, I was sitting here watching this game and it was dinner time and I didn't want to have the TV on during dinner because I didn't want to have a distraction. And so I turned the game off and within like a couple seconds, he hit that home run. And for those of you who have been on social media at all today or who were watching the game, know which one I'm talking about. He rounded the bases, rocking the baby, which is something he does, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a Josh Naylor fan, so I don't watch him. Yeah. But uh, Tristan McKenzie actually explained this a couple weeks ago that he likes to tell the pitcher that he's his daddy. That's why he does that. Rocking the baby. 
Yeah, rocking the baby. And, you know, at first I was like, wow, get ready for one high and tight, Josh Naylor. Because that is wildly disrespectful. But then upon further review, I kind of like that stuff in basketball. Why don't I like it in baseball? There it is. There it is, Brad. And there it is. And that's the thing that's funny is that I've been all these years been like, have fun, celebrate and everything. But, and you know, I am still like not at the expense expense of somebody else, but it's like, why not? These guys are professionals. Right. They should be able well, to handle and they, that part of it too. They asked Garrett Kohler, like he was, you know, he says he's your daddy. He's rocking the baby. And he's like, so it's cute. It's cute. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. Which I feel like, to your point, Brad, should inform how the rest of us as fans interact with what happened. You know, we are way more offended by it than he was. Way more, even if it did bug him, even if it did bother him, and he was just playing it down. Like the fact that he can just be like, whatever. Yeah. In the press conference, rather than being like, we're going to hit him and we're going to hit everybody else in that lineup because we hate their guts now. No, like they let their play talk, and that's the way it should be. If they don't care, we shouldn't care. Well, I don't think that's true. I wouldn't take it that far. If they don't care, we shouldn't care because that's, I mean, I, I hate to say that's what they pay us for, but that's what, that's why they keep us coming around, right? We're the fans. We care about yeah. stuff they don't have to care about. That's like our job, man. Our job yeah. is to, is to sit in the, in the same spot on the couch the whole time to get the mojo working. Our, our job is to wear our shoes on our heads for them and, <laughs> or whatever it is. That's what, well, and that's all, and that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying like, don't care about the game. I'm saying don't care about the taunting. Mm, right. I say as fans, it's we're the ones who get to care about that. That's our job. Mm, okay. I see that now, okay. but I don't, you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. No, I see what you're saying. And I think it makes sense <laughs> that, that we can, we can care about it. So they don't have to. That's my argument. But baseball family, we want to know what you think. Like, if you're watching live, you know, let us know. Are we crazy? Brad and I often overlap, but when we disagree, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It is a lot of fun. It is a whole lot of fun. Um, Rick, go ahead and uh, tell the baseball family before we move on about uh, an opportunity for them to pr- provide us with some feedback. Baseball family, we want to hear from you. And not just in the mailbag and not just on a voicemail, both of which you can do. But we want to hear from you. We have built a survey that will give us better feedback on what it is you like about what we're doing, what it is you hate about what we're doing. And in exchange, because, you know, you get, you deserve something more than just the benefit of hearing from us. Um, we're going to give you a discount code to the shop. It's 20% off. 20% off the shop if you'll answer just a handful of questions for us. And I'm going to put the survey link here in the comment section right now. So that you can jump in there at your leisure and uh, let us know what you think about a couple of things. we got some questions in there and we want to know. So let me put it in here for you. Right. Meow. Go ahead. And, uh, it starts off by asking for your email. I promise we will not use it for anything other than answering these survey questions with better content, different content, whatever it is that might be. And. There's an option for you to jump on a phone call with Brad and I, or Brad or I, depending on how the scheduling works out, which is something we are super excited about. So we're going to take that first couple of questions and we're going to build on them, but then we want to talk to you and we want to really see like, how are you feeling? What do you like? What do you hate? What ideas do you have? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? All of that. And we'll make you an offer you can't refuse. So pretty excited. Jump on there. Shoot us a quick email with those questions answered. And uh, get yourself something nice on the shop. 
That's right. There you go. Thanks, Brig. Excellent. So the playoffs are obviously pressing forward, and there's always a question um, in the playoffs. How are the young guys going to do? Right? Yeah. Like there's there's usually one young guy who comes out of nowhere, and it's like, whoa, this guy's a revelation, right? Like Randy Arena a few years ago. Exactly. Just unreal in that in that run that the that the Rays made to the World Series, and and then it carried over one rookie of the year. So it it was it's always interesting to me to see who is going to be able to carry that over. So we had Spencer Strider for the Braves, right? Yeah, and he came out and he he did well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. until he kind of didn't, right? <laughs> Which I guess is how it goes. Um, yeah. So he, um, sorry, I'm looking right now to see see where I can find Spencer Strider exactly how he did. So he pitched in game three. Right, I was going to say uh, it was game three in the in, the in Philly. It's, sorry, Phillies and Braves game, or right. Phillies and Braves series. He went two and a third, gave up three hits, five runs. He did strike out four in that right. short period of time, and walked two. So, I don't think he made the obviously didn't make the appearance he wanted to, but I don't think that's who he is. I don't think he's going to be the postseason choker. I think it's just that he's young. Um, yeah. The next guy, I, w- I obviously want to talk about Julio Rodriguez. Julio! Right? Julio! Because <laughs> he came out like, he came out, he drew a walk the first at bat of the series. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. And then he came around and scored. He scored the first run of the series, and it was awesome. It was amazing. And he had a pretty he had a pretty good series. He like, did. I wanted him to have a couple more quality at bats, but I wanted everybody to have a couple more quality at bats in game three. And we'll get there. Yeah. But he did finish the season four for or the the series four for sixteen with three doubles and three runs scored and and Brig a game saving defensive play in like the fifteenth inning of game right. three yeah, covered yeah, all yeah. that ground and made that sliding catch that would have been it right there gave the Mariners three more chances to get up there and score a run that they yeah. couldn't capitalize on. Well, and so. here's the thing about Julio that I loved out of that whole series was. He wasn't clutch necessarily at the plate, right? But he was consistent at the plate, right? Yeah. He either got on base or he forced, uh, you know, like he forced a walk. He worked the counts deep every time. Mm-hmm. I feel like he really gave Houston a run for their money, and I was just pleased to punch with the whole thing. Like I really did yeah. just love it. Yeah, well, in his first, so he had those four hits. His first three were all for extra base. He had two doubles and a triple before he even got a single, yeah. which yeah. is awesome. So I couldn't have asked Super for anything awesome. more out of Julio. Maybe one more totally. hit there at the end, but that was about it. Um, well, I think Jeremy the, Pena. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I'm Jeremy sorry. Pena, though, that dude was a problem. <laughs> he is having an outstanding postseason so far. It's only been three games, but so I have his. I have his line right here too because so he also was four for sixteen, but he hit a home run when it mattered. Yeah, he hit the game-winning home run in Game Three. Yep. But he had three other huge at-bats, absolutely enormous at-bats. He was down to his last strike in game one, battled through, and he he's the reason Jordan Alvarez got up in game one. Uh, 100% accurate, yep. And then in game two, he battled through a couple more at-bats with two outs, got Alvarez up, and made the Mariners pay again. Like it's yeah. not a, it's not always about, especially the guy like Pena, it's not always about hitting a home run, hitting a double, hitting a triple, whatever you need him to do. It's 
getting through his at bat battling and getting to the next guy who is going to cause the damage. And that's what Pena did. He, he played that role amazingly for the Astros. And he, I feel like is the reason the Mariners are home right now and not, not necessarily Jordan Alvarez because he went over in game three. Yeah. But, but man, Jeremy Pena, that guy is going to be a problem for a really, really long time. Over three games, Jeremy Pena had 17 at bats or 17 plate appearances 16 at-bats. He scored four runs on four hits. One was a double. One was a home run. He drove in an RBI, obviously. Um, he worked a walk, and he and he struck out four times. So that's a collective 250 batting average for a rookie in the postseason. Against a top-tier pitching staff. Right, including Luis Castillo. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that's I just think it's awesome, man. His collective war this year is 4.8 in his rookie season. That's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. funny. <laughs> it's weird to think about that the that the Astros let Carlos Correa walk because they had an upgrade waiting in the wings. Isn't that nuts? That doesn't even do that. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make and, sense. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Carlos Correa, perennial all-star. Yeah. MVP candidate and they're just like you're fine. We don't want to pay you yeah, that much to keep you around man. because we've got somebody who's going to be better for us this year than what you've been the last three. So it's fine. So just as Crazy. a frame of reference, Carlos Correa's season war was 5.4. So only a half a bump up from what their rookie is getting of them in arbitration. Lots of club protection there. Oh, so much, so much club control there. It's awesome for the Houston Astros. Like and, and I hate every bit of him it. Well, I hate it too. But they're treating him well. He's getting the at bats. He's getting time in the field. He's obviously getting the res- the respect from his teammates and the staff. So mm-hmm. you got to know Dusty Baker loves everything about this from a manager's perspective. But the front office jumping up and down at how this is panning it has out. to be, has to be. Yep. Yeah. So the next guy, Stephen Kwan. Let's talk about Stephen Kwan a little bit. This is a guy. This guy. <laughs> this. This guy's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> he is a problem. I don't have his line uh, on me right now, but um, I got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us about Stephen Kwan. So this is this is a series you've been watching more closely than I have. Right. So let me tell you about this um, ALDS. He's had over four games, 17 at-bats. He is currently batting. Oh, no. He's batting 412 across the four games. Hold on, Brig. We have an update thanks to Jason. Yeah. Yankees versus Guardians tomorrow at 4.07 p.m. You're kidding me. That's huge. Oh, oh no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, That is no. bad. That's oh. bad. Well, you might as well give this whole thing to Houston. At least game one. Yeah. Well, and they're that good, though. They are like, let's be honest. We'll, yeah, we'll get there. And we'll talk but, about man, that. That's a big deal like that. Wow. Real quick. I want to take a quick sidebar on this because that's not good for the playoffs. That's not good for baseball. Baseball had Monday night, an elimination game. Granted, it's up against Monday night football. That's not ideal. But at the same time, no. though, you've got an, elim- an elimination game up against a bad Monday night football game. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you right. can't make it happen because of rain. So. Brad turned me on to this, but David Sampson's podcast this morning, uh, It's Nothing Personal, what is, which is a great show, by the way. And I don't 
listen to a lot of podcasts. So I, I really appreciate Samson's insight and his perspective. That's why we had him on the show. But um, he gets on and says, how weird is it? How dumb is it that we have a sport where the weather is as significant an impact player as anybody on the field, as any of the umpiring crew, right? Like you can't host, you can't guarantee, he says, that your most important games of the season even happen according to schedule. Yeah. He's so right. I didn't even know. Yeah. I don't know why I never even thought about it in quite those terms, but it, I, it blew my mind. That's why I feel like any new stadium that's built has to have a retractable roof. Has totally. to. And you don't have to do the fully enclosed like they have a fully enclosed, I believe, in, in Miami. I know it's fully enclosed in Houston, enclosed. Arlington. Well, yeah, but that's just a dome. Because <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's just. <laughs> You say it's a but, dumb or a dome. <laughs> <laughs> They're interchangeable, but <laughs> but in here in Phoenix, it's it's fully enclosed. But Seattle has done it right. I feel like with the retractable roof, it's basically an umbrella. You still yeah. have the wind can come through and affect things like that, and the fans still feel like they're outdoors. You're just not getting wet. It's perfect. It's the perfect solution, and that's the way it should be everywhere. Do it that way. In like next time, should. One of like the White Sox get a new stadium, the Tigers get a new stadium. Anytime yeah. anybody gets a new stadium in a place where it's not overly hot, like Texas, Arizona, or Florida, yeah. just do the do the umbrella solution, and you can play games twelve months out of the year almost. Almost, yeah, and it would be well, fantastic. There's going to be some holdouts that'll never do it, and we'll talk about that later. We've got some off season comments uh, or content built out about stadiums, so we'll get there, but. um Let's see. Jason Jason commented again. Phils and the Rays played game five of the 08 World Series over the course of two days because of rain. Yeah, that's a true story. That's true. I wasn't it's watching a terrible anything way to play postseason 08. baseball, though. It's a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible way to play postseason baseball, though. You shouldn't yeah, have to is. do it over two days. No, I agree. So okay, back to Stephen Kwan. You ready for this? Yep. Okay. Four games. He's batting 412 as his average. His OBP is 444, slugging 647. His OPS is 1.092. He has had 11 total bases in the course of four games, and he's a rookie. So that puts his collective war at 5.5 on the season. On the season. Yeah. So I feel so if it wasn't for Adley Rutschman. I feel oh. like Stephen Kwan would be your runner-up for the Rookie of the Year this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if if Julio Rodriguez hadn't gone and set records and had a Mike Trout-like rookie season, yeah, it, he probably wouldn't have gotten it, and it would be Stephen Kwan who was, who was up there with him. I think he'll finish number three. Because he had a great, they, quietly had a great season. To, totally. Not even and the only reason it was quiet is because he played for Cleveland and Julio was so loud. Yes. So, so Stephen Kwan's just as batting. Um, he's 24 years old, by the way. 24. Jeremy Pena's 26. Is he? I have the, no idea. For reference sake, <laughs> he's 26. Stephen Kwan's 24 years old. He played 147 games for Cleveland this year. And his collective average, batting average, 298, OBP 373, slugging 400. His OPS is 772 over the season. Insane, good year, and he had a, yeah. he's having a good postseason too, right? So right. we'll see what happens tomorrow with him and the Guardians and the Yankees. Let's talk a little bit of free agency. 
Okay. Just a little bit. I don't want to get too deep into this right now because we're going to have a more in-depth conversation about this when the, when the postseason's over, when the playoffs and World Series are over. Yeah. But we do have um, a couple of things here. First, Carlos Correa, like we talked about before, we predicted that he was going to opt out of his contract with the whole Dior comment that he made. Right, so he's going to opt out. He'll be a free agent. He's going to test the market. Yeah, but then we got Drew Hutchinson. Tigers. Drew Hutchinson was DFA'd. Wilson Contreras is going to be one of the biggest targets this offseason because there are a lot because he's still got a lot of ball in him, and there are a lot of teams that need a catcher. A lot. And you know what? I was pushing hard, pushing really hard for Wilson Contreras in Seattle this year earlier this year. Yeah, I don't think we need him. I don't think the Mariners need him. No. I just hope he doesn't go to a, a, another AOS team. Um, I don't know of anybody that can afford him necessarily or would go after him, but that's my hope with him. Here's uh, another I, hot name. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Hey, well, I I'll we'll talk about this in our prediction episode, but I had I just had a thought that I would love to see him land in Anaheim. They do have an opening for a catcher. I just don't know if they would be willing to pay him. They got that for could, sale sign out outside. Could, yeah, but it could be fun. It could be fun. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the possibilities. Anyway. Wilson Contreras back number four behind Otani. Behind Otani. Yeah. 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 Here's another big one. Uh, Edwin Diaz. That's a huge <laughs> one. He is hot. He's so hot right now. He is Hansel. He is so hot. Um, yep. And this is the thing is that when the Mariners <laughs> traded him, he was like – you know how closers kind of have like a really small window where they're, they're elite and dominant? Yeah. I was okay with the trade because I was like, okay, he's like on the backside of that window. And last year he wasn't great. But, man, this year he's back to form, and I think he's going to get paid next year. I don't know whether he's going to hit that backside of the window and tail off wherever he goes, but I think he's I think he's going to get paid this offseason because there are a lot of teams who will pay that dude a lot of money to come in and do what he did for the Mets this year. Yeah. But I don't want to see an Aroldis Chapman situation. And I think it's entirely possible with Edwin Diaz that he gives whoever he goes to one to two years that are really, really good. And then we're wondering why he's here for the rest of the, the time. Honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. That's what I'm saying. He's on the tail end yeah. of that closer window. And, yeah. and I I hope it doesn't happen because that it's, too. it's awful to see. I think it's going to, the way that they can remedy that is moving him into the role of a setup man. Yep. Is once he starts blowing saves, be like, okay, you're not our closer anymore. We got this guy who can close. Let's move you to our setup man role. Take you out of a, out of such a high leverage situation. Hundred um, percent. But either way, he's going to get paid. Xander Bogarts is going to get paid. Oh yeah. Somebody's going to give him a lot of money. Carlos Rodon. I don't know about that one, man. I don't know either. I think he'll be a hot commodity because of what he's done, but I don't think he's going to get what he could have gotten before oh, this year. Yeah. Dansby Swanson is Ooh. he'll he'll be highly sought after. I think that a lot of teams like their top targets will be Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and then Dansby Swanson will be their their bargain version of those two guys. Well, he's what about Trey keep... Turner? Oh yeah, I, I Trey Turner's farther down the line, so it'll be those three, and then yeah, and then Swanson. yeah, exactly. Dansby Swanson's going to be the more affordable version of those guys, right? Like the like, Trevor Story, right? Where yeah. it's like, all right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. So, and then Justin Verlander's going to be free agent. Um, honestly, I see him just going back to Houston and playing out a couple more years, and that'll be yep. it. 
Yep. Jacob DeGrom has made it sound like he's not going to be going back to the Mets. Aaron Judge is the big fish on the market this year. That's going to be crazy to follow. Clayton Kershaw says he's considering playing one more year. I could see him going back to the Dodgers and finishing it out. Josh Bell will be interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, that Especially guy... if the Do- if the Padres win it all. Yeah. That will change everything and the role, Josh and Bell. I think it will all depend on the role he has in their playoff run the rest of the way. I think yes. I think that's going to come down to Mike Clevenger. Exact same thing. Same. Um, Adam Frazier for the Mariners. Uh, the market for him this year is not going to be what it was last year because he's so up and down. The thing that I think I said this, I can't remember if I said that here or on the Seattle Baseball Together podcast. I will take Adam Frazier's lows if it means I get his highs. Interesting. Because when that dude's on, all he does is get on base. Yeah, and he is true. a he is a hit machine when he's on, and it lasts for weeks at a time. His right. lows will last for a couple weeks at a time, and he won't do anything at all, and he'll even commit a couple errors in the field. But yeah. when that dude is on, he is absolutely an all star. Mitch Haniger, fascinating situation in Seattle. Um, I would not be surprised if they let him walk because he's going to want a bunch of money, and somebody else is going to pay him. I think they. I think what it is is they'll offer him money, but it will be a discounted rate compared to what he'll get somewhere else. I, I don't think he'll be in Seattle next year. Which is too Andrew, bad. It is too bad because he's the OG at this point. But yeah. at the same time, you kind of got to move on, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Andrew Haney, uh, Raphael Montero, Noah Syndergaard. Nothing. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there for him. And then James. He'll get, he'll get picked oh, up by like Diamondbacks or something. We'll pick up Syndergaard. Right? I, he'll I'll get, pay to go to those games. That's what I mean. But he's yeah, going like to get picked him. up by a team like Arizona that mm-hmm. like you know they need somebody they they got a placeholder guy spot. yeah yeah and he's he's good enough he brings a lot of wisdom and experience and all that kind of stuff um but ultimately like they're not going to worry about him being the best guy on the team they're just going to fill out a roster and it'll be good right yep yep okay before we go into our break we're going to wrap up let's or let's do this break let's go ahead and take a break Okay. And we will come back. We'll wrap up the American League Division Series. Or sorry, the ALDS and the NLDS. Right. And then we'll take another break, and then we'll get into the Championship Series. So uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, and we'll get into those. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9 Plus Us. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd, or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast, cheer from the cheap seats, and much more. Shop the Big City Series only at 9plusus.com. Welcome back, baseball family. We are very excited to discuss the division series because they were bananas. They were as bananas as you can find in Savannah. Like, legitimately, nobody saw these things coming. We had none of the favorites advance. <laughs> only one. Only one favorite has advanced. Well, so Houston, that's true. I forget. Yeah. Houston. I, I don't consider them a favorite because I, I don't favorite Houston. but. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cognitive dissonance problem ladies and gentlemen that has nothing to do with what's actually happening in the world basically let's talk first about the nlds okay the phillies and braves the phillies defeated the braves in a three to one 
in four game series or four games of a five game series. I can I can words right now, Brad. You I got it. Words. You got it. You'll get there. Not worried. Bryce Harper went eight for so these are notable notes. Notable notes. Bryce Harper, eight for 16, two home runs, um, a double, a double. five RBIs. Thank you. Four runs, but only two strikeouts. This is the Bryce Harper we heard about when he was 16 and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This is the Bryce Harper that Washington groomed and wanted desperately. And this is the Bryce Harper that the Phillies paid for. I feel like it's October Bryce Harper, honestly. That He's dude, here, man. That dude shows up. Yeah. He really does. And and people are going to rail on him for his performance in Washington, but he's not the reason the Nats were eliminated when he was there. Nope. That dude shows up for the postseason, and this is this is the guy you get. He's unreal. He's It's unreal. So congratulations to Brother Harper. We hope he does very, very well continuing forward. But let's talk about Nick Castellanos and JT Realmuto because they – this to me, these are the best storylines. These are the guys that have been sitting around waiting to go to the postseason in a Philly uniform for way too long. It's been a long time coming for all the fans, and they because they love, especially Real Muto, like the fans love JT so much. And so Nick Castellanos goes five for 16, five RBIs, a double, and only two strikeouts. Fabulous. And JT goes five for 18 with a home run, which is an inside the park home run. And that is the first ever by a catcher in the postseason. It's amazing. Did you know? I love he it. Has, he has three inside the parkers in his career. I, I didn't know that. I knew that he could like, he could move for a catcher, right? He's got, right. <laughs> he runs well, runs well for a catcher is what they used to say about Pudge. And, and JT right. Real Muto definitely runs well for a catcher. He was moving, man, to get around those bases. It was awesome. He and it was got fluid. a really for got a really fortuitous bounce off that. I guess I guess it depends on what side you're coming on. Could be sure. unfortunate if you're a Braves fan. And it, it ricocheted back toward right field. And man, he was cooking all the way around. It wasn't even close. And this is one thing that I've noticed a lot in the postseason with things that have gone on, like weird bounces like that. Yeah. I feel like it feels like outfielders are not moving toward one another to help each other out in case something like that happens. Yep. Right. Yeah. That like the right fielder should have been there to catch the, to play the carom off the wall. If that happened, like you can't yeah. assume your guy's going to make the catch. And I saw a couple, um, I saw a couple in the Seattle and Houston series. I can't, can't think exactly what they were off the top of head. I just remember that happened happening and being like, there should have been somebody there within 15 feet to get that ball. Well, right. it's the same thing with Josh Donaldson coming from third base, what, almost like 75 feet into left field yeah. to, to dive and miss the ball that that uh, Hicks was loafing toward. That's Hicks's ball. Every day. Absolutely. Hicks's all, ball. all day long. But, but yeah. to your point, it's the same thing. It's like not a lot of backup, not a lot of covering down, and mm-hmm. it's – it's really unfortunate. The thing about that inside the Parker, though, if I remember right, and Jason's watching, so he can tell me if this is true. But if I remember right, the ball, the throw hit the mound and bounced oh, on it its took way. Like a high hop. Yeah. It took a little bit of a hop because it wasn't quite on target. It was. It had the right trajectory, but it dove a little bit, hit the mound, bounced up, and then made it to the catcher. And that threw it off just enough to make it possible for the inside the Parker. 
I think he would have been safe anyway, if I remember watching that right. You think so? I th- yeah, I think he would have been. I don't know that 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 bounce necessarily changed it enough. Like it certainly made it so he w- it wasn't as close as it could have been. Obviously, right? Yeah, but well, I, I think I think he would have gotten in there before he got before the tag was placed on him anyway. Hmm. But anyway, no, it certainly helps though, and that's it I love a lot. When stuff like that happens. Me too. Like a few years ago, Wilson Contreras set a bat out in front of home plate, and the throw hit it. Yeah, and avoided <laughs> a play at the plate. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's awesome. It is awesome. Like, it sucks when it happens to your team, but it's just like just one of the oddities of baseball. But let's talk about Gene Segura for just a minute, too. This is his first ever postseason, first career postseason. This guy deserves it more than most guys, I feel like, in the league. Gene, totally. mean Gene, the hitting machine, Segura. He went five for 18, two doubles, and three runs. I could not be happier to see this guy succeed. It was awesome. I figured you'd feel that way. He's in his 10th season. Yeah, like I loved Gene Segura when he was in Seattle. Yeah, he was part of the the JP Crawford trade, and I was really bummed to see him go. But JP Crawford has been great in Seattle, and I'm glad to see that Gene Segura is still doing well in in Philadelphia. Well, and let's be honest, this is age 32 season, so there's potentially not a lot of time left for him to have these well, experiences. The thing for him though is I feel like his game ages well because he's not a speed guy. That's true. He's a contact guy for sure, right? And he's a second baseman, so he doesn't need a whole lot of range. So I think I think he can continue to play for a few more years as long as that bat continues to make contact because that's all that's what he does. He makes that's contact true. and drives the ball. So I think he's got yeah, a few more right. good years in him. Let's shift gears across the country to the Padres and Dodgers series, which was unbelievable. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> again the the Dodgers lost three games to one in this series. The Padres came through somehow. And beat them three to one. And I say somehow, I mean it, it makes sense if you're watching the games because right. they just got beat. Like it, yeah. It was it was just a simple. So, and that's the thing is that we talked about the Dodgers who play clinical baseball, right? It's technically accurate, it's technically sound, and somehow all of the mojo and all of the young fire and energy that Slam Diego brought to the table really did just beat them. It, it's astonishing. Yeah. Jake Cronenworth, 7 for 16 with five RBIs and a home run. Manny Machado went 5 for 14 with two or with a double home run, two RBIs, and three walks. It's October Manny. Manny is a revelation every (laughs) single time we watch him play at this point. It's like so we, funny. Like, I'm 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 just gonna beat this horse to death, Brig, and continue to beat it after it's dead. That Manny Machado continues to be overlooked as a player, especially in October. Because, well, it, yeah. man, two, was it 2019? He was the only one who showed up to the World Series for the Dodgers. The only one. I think him and Chris Taylor, maybe. But Manny Machado was the only one. Instead, people are killing him for not running out a ground ball to shortstop. It's like, he's producing everywhere else. <laughs> Give exactly. the guy a break on a routine exactly. ground ball. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he's been great. Let me just pull up his playoff performances right now. So this season, out of four games, 14 ABs, uh, he's hitting 357, 471, 643. His OPS is 1.113. He's had nine total bases to his name and uh, two home runs on top of that, which we've already mentioned. But, I mean, like, his season, his war this season is 6.8. Do you know what his career war is, Brad? Just guess. 
I honestly have no idea. He's probably up in the 20s, maybe low 30s. 52. Holy cow. His career war is 52. Anyway, the end. Manny Machado is the real deal. Yes. And his attitude used to suck, but it doesn't anymore. It's awesome now. He's definitely, he's matured. He's matured a ton since he's gone to the West Coast, and it's been, it's been big time. It's been huge for him and the and the Padres and the Dodgers when he was there. Like I said, it's yeah. a big deal. But anyway, speaking of the Dodgers, they were they struggled big time this series. They got the one win, but other than that, they only hit four home runs in in the four games. Trey Turner hit two of them, right? Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie each hit one. So there's your four right there. Yeah, Justin Turner, who you would expect to show out for a for a series like this was two for 13. Chris Taylor, your October guy in LA was 0 for seven. They pay him to play in October. That's right. He's typically a utility and situational guy for the Dodgers, but they pay him to show up in October and he didn't. And then Mookie Betts, speaking of paying somebody was two for 14. The three of them combined for one RBI. It was only Mookie Betts who got an RBI. I'm just gonna say this now. Playing like that, you gotta get rid of Justin Turner if you're the LA front office. I honestly, I do, I don't think he's gonna be there whole lot longer. I'm gonna check right now to see when his contract is up because he's old. He's uh, he's He's 37. Yeah, you gotta. Which shocks me because I don't feel like he's that old. He hides it behind all the. Behind you know, the beard, facial hair, <laughs> it, it works for you. That's why I have one. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Um. So he is going to be a free agent after next season. Actually, next no. Season. There's a there's a team option with two million dollar buyout. I don't think he's coming back. He's not coming back. If there's a team option, he's not coming back. No. Nope. Nope. I think that the Dodgers need need to tear it down. To be honest, the whole thing. Yes. And they're not Jason. alone. He says he's 37 and that hurts. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I'm getting there. I'm 36. <laughs> Y'all are old. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I'm right but there. No, I, I think it's time to tear down the Dodgers, though. You've got yeah. you to start thinking for longer term than this because it, if, it, if it didn't happen with this team, it's not going to happen. I'm and sorry. not in the last, what, six seasons? Well, and they they have what's referred to what everybody I mean everybody what people call the Mickey Mouse World Series. You know, they only yeah. the only one they've won in all these years that they've been dominant was in 2020. Yeah, and granted, yeah, everybody's exactly. playing in the same circumstances. Oh, I agree. But still, it it makes a difference, and the fact that they have not been able to close the deal is a huge problem. And it's I think it's Dave Roberts. I think it's gosh, I don't know, I don't know which of those guys you trade off, but I think you sell off. Cody Bellinger for parts. I think you deal, you might need to deal Mookie Betts. Keep Freddie you Freeman might. as your centerpiece, but I don't know. You got to blow it up, man. Yeah. So it's not going to get any better. Clayton Kershaw didn't pitch once this postseason. Wow. That's crazy. Is it? Hold on. I'm looking. Wins, losses? Nope. He didn't pitch one time this postseason. Oh, wait, hold on. One game. Hold on. This this thing. He pitched five weird. innings. He pitched five yeah. innings, gave there up you six go. hits, there three runs, is. six strikeouts. With there a 5.40 ERA. There it is. Okay, I was reading the wrong 
line. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. But still, you... Yeah, you, you got to have better from him than that. But You have to. Anyway. All right, should we shift gears over to the American League? Yeah, let's talk about the Astros and Mariners. Brad's very favorite topic. I, he's in mourning, for those of you watching. He's wearing black on black. Today. I never go he's black on black, sad. but I'm black on black yeah. today because I'm mourning. Um, I don't blame so the Astros you. But... Won this one. <laughs> the Astros won this one 3-0. They swept the series. But I was very encouraged by the whole thing, to be honest with you, because for an incredibly young team, they gave the Astros everything they had. They... And gave them a run for their money. That was the best part is that they didn't just throw everything they had in there and everybody was like, that's cute. It was, right. oh, no. Holy wow. Brig, two bounces in that series was 2-1 after Sunday's game or Saturday's game. 100%. <laughs> that's, I keep saying, I keep thinking Sunday because they essentially played four games in that series. They totally did. Because <laughs> yeah, game three went 18 innings. innings. <laughs> So game three, game three went 18 innings. It's the longest scoreless game in postseason history. And it is now tied in a, if I remember right, it's a four-way tie for the longest game in postseason history, no matter what. It was six and a half hours yeah, of, it was. of baseball. Yeah. Yep. And it was awesome. Should we talk about superstitions for a minute or should we not? Let's get into superstitions, Brig. Let's get into it okay. because I, I hope... First off, I owe Jewel an apology <laughs> because last week I said I wasn't going to rail on him. Then I railed on him for not holding the position. I did not hold the position in game one. I figured, you know what? This game's as good as over. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to get some popcorn. So I went downstairs and got some popcorn. And then the Mariners got, or the Astros got two guys on. I put the popcorn back, ran back upstairs to my spot. And by that point, it was too late. And Jordan Alvarez hit an upper decker. Yep. Well, I so I got on the phone with Brad and I said, Brad, <laughs> for those of you following us on Instagram, you, you got saw the to conversation. See the conversation live because Brad kept his language in check, which was I was really appreciative of. Um, so I didn't have to edit anything. <laughs> and I don't know if you knew. Did you know I was posting live as we were chat, ch- chatting? I had no idea. I had so many <laughs> other things on my mind. Yeah, break. That's what I, I was, thought. I was fifteen <laughs> innings into a scoreless game, I elimination was, game. I was giggling my little butt off. So I, I texted Brad. I said, Brad, um, I have been watching the game cast on my phone the whole time and things are going well enough. Like, but we need to shake it up. Can I, can I break the position? Right. Cause, cause hold the position was like when right. Brad was doing this. <laughs> yeah. I was, I tried everything, Brick. I tried everything. I, I went here. I went here. I went, I went surrender Cobra. I put a pillow on my head. I probably should have grabbed a shoe. I had an ottoman right there with shoes and I should have grabbed a shoe and put it on my head. I tried everything. And then finally I was like, yeah, maybe we should break the position. I sat on the floor and then like, Three batters later, Jeremy Pena hits a home run. I said, "No, Brad, don't, don't do it." I told him that I carry half of the mojo points because I'm not <laughs> technically a Mariners fan, so it would be okay for me to break the mold. You stay where you're at, but he blew it, and then I blew it. So I figure, like, we. Blew that's the it. thing is, I thought that maybe it was like we've been in a standstill for this long. Maybe I need because because I'll tell you what, Brig, I sat on the other side of the couch in the first inning and the Astros got two guys on immediately. I moved to the other end of the couch yeah. and they got out of it. <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. And that's then the way it goes. And then we got to like the 10th inning. And I was like, I need something. So I went and grabbed my popcorn 
and I was not eating it during the inning. I was eating it between innings. And then I can't remember what inning it was, but at one point they got a couple guys on. As I was sitting there eating, I put it down. I didn't touch till the game was over. I was too scared. <laughs> too I was feared, as you say. A feared. I was a feared. <laughs> yeah, I was a feared. <laughs> so Seattle. Um, let's see. I'm going to move to the postseason really quick because Seattle, I thought they did terrific. I'm anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm I was, like I said, I was really happy. They put, they had the Astros up against the wall a couple times and it was, it was awesome. Like the Mariners, like the, the Astros only tra- only led for like four innings total, total yeah. out of 27 innings played. Yeah. Jason, sorry, you're not, not allowed to eat popcorn ever again. Oh, not during baseball season. No, I'm done with during baseball. At least while the Mariners are playing. No more. So Jordan Alvarez went four for 15, two homers, seven RBIs, and three runs total. Both home runs were go-ahead homers. And they were clutch, man. Exactly. So Jose Altuve, my favorite statistic here of the day, of the whole day, yeah. Jose day. Altuve went zero for 16 with six strikeouts and one walk. Loved it. That I feel like that was a significant part of the success the Mariners had against them was keeping Altuve off the base paths is that being able to get that out going toward Jeremy Pena, who was just clutch as clutch can be. Right. But man, yeah, if you don't was, have it was production in front of him. It's, mm-hmm. it stings a little less. Yeah. Well, and it, it's the thing too, is like you get late in the game with, with Altuve and you never know what's going to happen because he has hit a walk off home run to send them to the world series. He totally. is clutch, but the fact that he didn't do anything in this series at all, no matter when it was, that to me was an enormous win. Absolutely yeah. enormous and showed the guts that this pitching staff has guys who have struggled periodically here and there the last week or two, right? Yeah. They came in and they, they faced him straight up. They they struck him out. They got and that's what I think. That's what I think is amazing is that it wasn't that he was off. It was that the pitching seemed like it was on. Like he had his moments where he shouldn't have chased, and he had his moments where you know you're like, all right, where's your head? But most of the time, he just got beat. Well, because there and were a couple, really there were a couple clean. long strikes. He had a couple long strikes. I was like, oh shoot, if he yeah. straightens that out, this game is we're in trouble. Yeah, but so I thought that was a really impressive thing, and we'll obviously we'll see if he can make an adjustment for the LCS because it's entirely possible. And I don't think it matters who they face, whether it's Cleveland or New York. I think he's going to have made an adjustment and is going to be problematic in the ALCS. I think um, so too. because if you get shown up by a Mariners team like this, this young that everybody's calling upstarts, etc., like you you don't want to be the veteran, legendary you know dude like Altuve is. And and carry on whatever you've been carrying with you. So right. I'm really excited to see what adjustments he made. He makes he makes from <laughs> from like a baseball fan perspective. But I hope he continues as like struggle. a human. Yeah, I hope he continues <laughs> to struggle. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Pena because and we talked about him a little bit, but he went four for sixteen with a home run. It's the game winner in game three, and then he battled three times to set up Alvarez for these game-changing RBIs, like you said. And uh, obviously, it didn't come to fruition because uh, Altuve couldn't put it together. But Alvarez could. Yeah, it's a big yeah. deal. Yuli Gurriel. It's a big deal. Yeah, Yuli Gurriel goes 6 for 15. Duh. And you expect uh, that like every time he got up there and like hit a home run or hit a double, I was like, of course he did. Like yeah. I get more stressed out when that, that guy is like my new Jim Tomei. 
Because right. I felt like Jim Tomey, every time he got up, especially in October, it's like this, he's getting on. It's just a matter of how he does it. And I feel like it's the same thing with Gurriel. Like it, once October rolls around, you know he's getting on. Didn't Tomey hit six home runs in the postseason at one point in one postseason run one time? Probably. Yeah, it was probably like 98 or 95. Yeah, something like that. But I feel like he was hitting dingers every time he was up against the Mariners. Like just yeah. driving me nuts. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, let's move over to the Seattle lineup really quick. A couple of notables. Julio Rodriguez, four for 16 as well. Three uh, doubles and three runs. Think, Check this out. Let me just call back to this, okay? Pena, four for 16. Rodriguez, four for 16. And Alvarez, four for 15. Two of those guys are rookies. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But I think it also shows the quality of the pitching. Like we talked about sure. Alvarez for 15 Altuve over 16 Pena, like yeah. going hitting 250 in this series was really good because nobody was hitting. Nobody was hitting so, at all. So let's talk about the pitching at least on the side, uh, because Verlander got mowed over. He did like he, he brought nothing to the table. Nothing. No. And well, it's like I said, like it played, like I said, I think I brought this up on Thursday that the Mariners went deep on him, got deep counts on him. And got to him early, and it was, yeah. it, it was looking like the Mariners were going to coast to a game one win. Well, and they almost did, honestly. Um, should have. They should have had that in the bag. Yeah, but, he went. He went four innings, ten hits, six runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Was all. Woof. That's real. That's like rookie business right there. That's real bad. It is. And, and the thing is, is like we've talked about, he gets worse as he goes deeper into the playoffs. And I'm curious what yeah. he's going to do in the next series. Well, and deeper into even one game at a time, right? The deeper mm-hmm. he gets, even the deeper he gets into counts. Like if you can push him to an eight or nine or 10 pitch at bat, the dude's going to struggle. Yeah. And then I feel like he carries that forward and that momentum just snowballs on him somehow. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't think it's a mental thing. I think it's just I think it might be an age thing and something. just seeing his stuff kind of thing because he he his success comes from getting guys to make to get themselves out. He pounds the zone and he says, Yeah, you're you're either gonna swing and miss, you're gonna foul you're either gonna foul it off, get yourself to two strikes, then you're gonna swing and miss, or you're gonna ground out because you're yeah. not gonna make solid contact. They're making solid contact against him, and when that happens, For sure. he's it's ugly for him. But uh, can we talk Luis Castillo for a minute? We have to. I was going to say that. Seven innings pitched, five hits allowed, three earned runs. He gave up a couple home runs, which was what the Astros do, right? They don't get on base. They hit home runs instead, which wow. was the problem in the end. And then he struck out seven in seven innings. Uh, George Kirby, seven innings pitch, rookie, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say. No earned runs. Five strikeouts, no walks. What? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> the fact that he's a rookie up against arguably the most terrifying team in baseball is fabulous. Yep. One Just of the fabulous. most loaded offenses in baseball. Yeah. It's awesome. Let's talk for a minute about the ALDS. I made a comment. In fact, I'll just find it and pull it up really quick. Okay, while um, you find that, I, I, we have a comment that I want to address. This is from Derpy Gaming. It'll be the Yankees, unfortunately, against the Astros. As a Cleveland uh, Cleveland, Cleveland fan, baseball gods just hate us. I feel that on such a high level because I feel like the baseball gods hate the Mariners so bad so often. <laughs> because, oh, I, sorry, Brie, before you get in there, I wanted, I wanted to talk about this yeah. real quick. Because yeah. as we were going through game three 
the umpiring behind home plate just felt bad. Like not good. Okay. Yeah. And here is the confirmation of it because so first off, I want to show this in the middle, you've got the runs for Houston 0.68, but it's not just like 0.68 toward Houston. The home plate umpire was taking runs off the board for both teams. Right. But it happened to be for Seattle more based on the situations and everything. But this is the thing that really drives me nuts, Brig. Look at this. On the left side of the of the plate, you've got there's like five strikes called in that same spot, which is like, okay, like that's consistently called in that same spot. You saw it all game, but one, that's not necessarily a hittable pitch. No, right. And two, there is a ball called on the plate. (laughs) Yeah. In the zone, that same spot, and then there's a strike called low just below that. Like that is so horribly inconsistent. How do you do that? And then on the other side of the plate, on the right-handed batter's box side, you've got two balls called in the zone and four strikes called outside the zone in that same spot. And then you go up. There's a ball called the top of the zone. Like that's fine. I understand calling a ball at the top of the zone. Some totally. that can be hard to tell sometimes. But there's a strike called three ball baseball widths above the zone. Yes, it was insane. I. Like that's why this game went scoreless for 17 and a half innings was yeah. because the home plate umpire was not consistent, was taking the bat out of the guy's hands because you don't know what it's going to be. I, I haven't looked, but I'm curious how many backwards K's there were in that game because guys just didn't know. They didn't know. Like they're like, okay, that's a ball. No, that's a strike. Okay. Well, and then you've got a close, it, it was just absolutely insane. I was just furious the entire game. Like yeah. at one point I was keeping track of where the balls and strikes are being being called at the bottom of the zone several times. It's like, well, that was a ball last inning. How is that a strike now? Well, that was a strike last inning. How is that a ball now? It was mm-hmm. so it was driving me absolutely up the wall. And this is why, Brig, I am so strongly in favor of robot umpires because right. I know it's going to look weird. You're going to have the you're going to have the catcher setting up outside, and there's going to be a ball in the inside corner of the plate that you're going to be like, "That's a ball." Well, no, it crossed the plate. It doesn't matter where the catcher set up; it's still a strike. Yeah, right. Like absolutely insane. <clears throat> I agree. And then and plus framing and everything like that. Yeah, too. and there was there was a pitch. It should have been O two on. I can't remember who it was exactly, but I remember it should have been O two because it was very clearly in the zone. I think it might have been this one towards the bottom of the zone down the lower left-hand corner of the box. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cal Raleigh, who by the way was playing with a broken thumb, just couldn't squeeze it. Right. And the umpire Which was calls astonishing. He missed it. And he, we texted him. Uh, we messaged him on Instagram. He still didn't get back to us. Like, I'm like, you have breaks in mid game. <laughs> homie. Come on. <laughs> anyway. A couple of comments have come in from Derpy Gaming. I want to highlight these really quick. He says that this is how it's been for Cleveland series all the way around. It's been two inconsistent, favorable calls going both ways. We have a, an umpire scorecard right here, man. From How do you pull that, man? Can you pull that off? There, there we go. go. Oh. <laughs> we did it at the same time. <laughs> all right, so Derpy Gaming, here's what we've seen. This is game one of the uh, ALDS Cleveland. That's a terribly established strike zone, by the way. It's uh, look at it. It looks like a tooth. It looks like a molar. It does look right? like a molar. <laughs> like this is this, this is absurd. And strikes are low. I guarantee those strikes down in under the zone were some of those were against Aaron Judge because he gets those calls strikes below the zone 
by two or three baseballs all the time. Now, I know I'm a Yankees fan, but it's still ridiculous because um, this gave Cleveland a half a run uh, favorable. But look at the overall consistency is still only 93%. Um, league average is 94%. That's terrible. <laughs> it's, it, Brad, Brad wants it up in the 97, 98 range, which I think is a fair. But the called strike accuracy is 84%. In this, in, just in this game, obviously, when Jordan Baker was behind the plate. So, Derpy Gaming, just an idea that you're exactly right. Inconsistent all over the place, and it's and it's ridiculous. Um, you also got another comment here from Derpy Gaming. Uh, he says that, uh, so the Mariners aren't as deep in the bullpen, um, and that's been the difference maker. He's talking about specifically... The bullpen correlating the bullpens between Seattle and Cleveland says that's a difference maker against the Astros, how deep the bullpen is. So do you think that's the case? Is it, is it a matter of how deep the bullpen is to beat the Astros? Honestly, with the Astros, because they have so much power, they go, they go deep when they have to. That's the difference is it's one, it's literally one pitch. That's all it is. The Mariners have, a top five bullpen. I know the guardians have a great bullpen too. I don't know if they're top five, whatever, but it doesn't matter who you have on the mound. If they, they don't even have to make a, make a mistake. Like one of Alvarez's home runs was a ball out of the zone. Yeah. And he reached out and grabbed it. He yeah, almost he slapped at it. Boxes. Yeah. 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 Cause he's so big and so strong. He doesn't have to make, he can miss it and it's going to go out. Yeah. So that's the problem. And Pena is such a great hitter. He doesn't have to hit strikes either. So, you know, that, right. I don't, I don't know. Like that's the hard thing is like you got to keep them in the yard. If you can keep them in the in, keep them in the yard, you're going to win. And that yeah. w- that was the Mariners' Achilles heel this year. And if the if the Guardians can, they might stand a chance. But it just comes down to timely home runs. Well, and I think the biggest thing is so if we talk about the Yankees playing them, we the bullpen's a mash unit right now. It's a total issue, mm-hmm. and, and those guys aren't throwing ground balls right. It's it's all or nothing, do or die with the Yankees bullpen right now. So really interested to see. Um, and that's why Stephen Kwan has been so successful against the Yankees. And that's why Jose Ramirez has been so successful against the Yankees. Obviously, they play a little bit of a different style. I feel like Kwan, um, well, no, they're the same because Kwan is a production hitter. He's a contact guy. And so is is um, Jose, which is awesome. Okay, I got to move on because I got to issue an apology. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. And then, we'll, go and then we'll take a break and we'll talk yeah. uh, championship series. So going into Garrett Cole's start in Cleveland, um, there was a question on some Yankees groups that I was part of. I am still. I didn't get banned, Jason. I know you're wondering. Um, <laughs> that's a callback. Anyway, they asked what the fans think Garrett Cole's performance will look like starting in Cleveland, and I got it so wrong. Here, So here's what I said, and then I'll issue my formal apology. So um, I said he'll struggle in the first inning. Then he's going to throw three and a third solid uh, before being left in too long. Then his dismantling will be complete, and the game will come down to how effective the offense is prior to his departure, is what I said. And I am going to formally apologize by also explaining to you how Garrett Cole did over six innings and <laughs> or seven innings with... Uh... <laughs> Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. He went... October 16th, Garrett Cole pitched seven innings. He only gave up six hits, two earned runs, two total runs, obviously, but two earned runs, one home run, which happens every time. Garrett Cole's always going to give up one long ball. 
He's gave up he more walked, than anybody in the American League this year. He walked one guy and K'd eight. It was a, a cumulative 2.03 ERA. I would I could not have been more wrong, and I'm terribly sorry to the Yankees fans. There you have it. <laughs> They're gonna play. I doubt it. <laughs> no, you can't, but I did doubt. And I don't think I'm alone. I mean, clearly you look at the comments. I am not alone, but I do have a platform, and I think that this needs to be said. Okay. Brad, I got a quick question for you before we take a break. Should okay. MLB be concerned about how the bye week is playing out for these teams? I I don't think they should. Um, it it's weird, right? Um, I think I think what it's going to do is it's going to it might force them to kind of address it because mm. players have spoken out against the bye week. They don't love the idea because they're all creatures of habit, especially yeah. the pitchers, right? Yeah. So I think that it might it might be brought up again. I don't know if it'll be brought up again this post or this off season, or if maybe it'll be next year, or not until the um, the collective bargaining agreement comes. Like mm. all that comes up again, right? But I think it's going to be brought up. I think it's going to be like the the bye week is not rewarding anybody. We have data that says that because if it continues like this, where two even th- or especially three of the four teams that have bye weeks are eliminated there's going to be an issue and it's going to have to yeah. come up again. What do you think yeah. about it? Do you think it's do you I, think it's going to be a problem? I think it already is a problem. I think you've got major teams with major winning records getting just demolished by teams and that only I so I look for the single common denominator, right? Like what's the single point of failure here? And time off is the only the only difference. Yeah. The only difference is time off. You have to address that. You have to call it what it is. You can you can trump up any other charges you want to put it in those terms, but I, I think it's all uh, malarkey. I think the biggest thing is that 100% it's time off. All right, baseball family, yep. we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get you prepped for the league championship series right now. The Nonther Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between, you can find the Nonlinear Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. So before we get out of here, before we wrap up, we wanted to talk some championship series. Well, the ALCS is not set, and it's not going to be set till Tuesday. So we're going to hold off on that one for now, but we're going to go into the NLCS. Got the Phillies against the Padres. The Padres are going to have home field advantage in this, in this series, which, as we know, doesn't really matter. So... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. You can't tell me after everything that has happened that it doesn't matter. It's having it's swaying me otherwise this postseason that maybe it's mattering a little bit this year. <laughs> but overall, the, I don't feel like it matters as much in baseball. Um, okay, Brad. So anyway, it's not it's not like basketball or the NFL. How's that? Where That's, the crowd no. plays a significant role in the way things go. It is right? not if you compare them that way, no but I don't think you can discount its effect. Okay. All right. We'll have to agree on that. I think that's Fair. where we can settle. Okay. All right. All right. Deal. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I got to, I got to tell you, Brig, 
the Phillies bullpen has been a revelation because yeah. every time they were going late into games of the lead against the Braves, it was like, well, here comes the bullpen, right? Like we saw the game against the Mets where the Phillies were the ones who met at the bed, and it was because of the bullpen, and I won money off of that game, and it was fantastic. Good for you. <laughs> but <laughs> they've done their job. They're closing out the games, and it's amazing. Good yeah. for them. I'm happy for them because I've been cheering like crazy for the Phillies because yeah. of our buddy Jason and Tori. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier for the Phillies at this point that they've made it this far. Yeah, me I mean, too. Are you as shocked as I am about the bullpen situation right now? Sh- completely shocked. Yeah, totally. But but what's interesting is I've also been cheering for the Padres this whole time too. So now yeah. I'm stuck in a quagmire of emotion, Brad. I live in a glass case of emotion right now because I don't know what the what here. And this is my default crappy answer: is that I just want to see good baseball games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that's where I'm at with this point because I want to see the Padres win because I, I've kind of gotten to like the Padres living down in the Southwest because um, they're close. But I've also like, I would love to see the Phillies do well because we have friends who are Phillies fans. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, and I like guys who play for the Phillies too. I like that. See, right. and that's what it comes down to for me. So let's switch into team shopping a little bit. If you're in our situation and you're like, I don't know what to do. I always go down the list, uh, go down the roster. I love yeah. Real Muto. I enjoy Brother Harper. I really, you know what I mean? But I love Machado. I can't get enough of Juan Soto's his October performances. Um, yeah. Joe Musgrove is so much fun to cheer for. Like mm-hmm. you, just, you, you just, But so is Zach Wheeler. So I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm going to be cheering for success across the entire series. And whoever wins, I will be happy for them. And whoever loses, I will lament with them i don't know if laments the right word but i will i will mourn with them there you go. um it would be really cool though like i'm planning on going because i just lived for those of you who don't know i just live a little ways from the peoria sports complex which is where the padres and mariners have their spring training yeah. i am planning on going to the backfields this next spring and i because I, I there are some guys obviously for the padres i want to meet and see if See if they'll sign a ball for my son. Yeah. Uh, and it would be really cool to go see those guys, see the World Series champions. 100% that would be awesome. agree. Yeah, you're right. It would be super cool. Jason wants us all to know that he rides with Philly Rob, which we all knew. So, yeah. Yep. There you go, man. <laughs> but All right, let's, what a, let's get into oh. it. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Let's get into this. Like, is there like an X factor you see with this? Like, how does the pitching stack up for you? Like, for me, the starting pitching is almost like matched. Right? Yeah, 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 totally. Although, no, no, no. I, I'm gonna say that I I love two of Philly starters, but I love three Padre starters. So yeah. in a seven game set, I think the starting rotations. I'm gonna have to give it to San Diego. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, the the problem like is is your third guy Clevenger or Snell? Uh, no, it's 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 uh, it's the guys they started this. It's Joe Java Joe, Mike Clevenger, and you Darvish. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was wondering if if Mike yeah. Clevenger was on there because I feel like Mike Clevenger can come out and be dominant, right? Pitch seven, yeah, seven yeah. innings of no, no, like shutout baseball with like five hits or whatever, right? But at the right. same time, he could come out and get shelled in three. 
Totally. And Blake Snell has been the same way this year. Same same thing. But but I don't know. I just, I just feel better about it because if you look at the Phillies, they've got Nola and Wheeler that are incredible. And then what? Right. Yeah. And I, I hate I hate that it's that way, but I, but it's like honestly. And then what? I don't know. Cindergard. Yeah, I mean, he pitched fine over four innings. He gave up one hit, one run. Um, but the problem is, is that like you don't want your starter only going four, it, <laughs> especially right, exactly. in the NLCS, which you is need the same problem. Deeper. Clevenger could have that problem, but I feel like right. Syndergaard does have that problem. Yeah, that's the difference. You're right. You're right. I I do think that the Phillies or the Padres have the edge on that offensively, though. Like. I mean, there's a reason that the Phillies are known as the Beefy Boys. Yeah, because I don't got, know. Kyle Schwarber leading off. Okay, In let me what tell you about space, Schwarber, though. Sir, does that make sense? None, and it gets even worse <laughs> when you figure that Kyle Schwarber this postseason, um, four games against Atlanta, thirteen at bats. Um, one, one hit for 13. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he went, I think this is cumulatively like there was like 30 or 31 at bats with, without any, uh, hit at all. Didn't he go 30 at bats without a hit? I think he did. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he also struck out four times. He walked, he did walk three times. That he's, is one of his things. He's still getting he puts, on. He puts the other yeah. good at bats. He he scored two runs, but the fact that he's only getting one hit and he's not being like that, that to me, like I like a guy who can get on who can get on base of the walk, but it's not productive. Right. I need somebody who's productive. Give me give me a double. Especially and, your leadoff guy. Get yeah. on base. Yeah. Give me a bloop single. I want a laser shot out to the middle of to the gap somewhere. Something you got to get us. You got to get on base. You got to start the ball rolling, set the tone. So I'm confused why Kyle Schwarber is leading off, and I'm confused why it's working because it's working. Just don't Apparently, understand. It's been working for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't understand. make sense. It's kind of like A Rod addressed it the other day with Aaron Judge that he's he called a gimmicky baseball that you don't put your best hitter, yeah, leading off, but. There's also data that says you do because that's the spot that gets the most plate appearances, right? And I think we're trying to get him to the record, I mean, that makes tons of sense. But let's look at Aaron Judge really quick postseason. His postseason batting this year not good. is so bad. 16 plate appearances. He has hit the ball twice. And he's hit he's the ball worked, twice? Yeah, and he's worked one walk. How many times? So he has... He's batting times, one... Right? 125 how many nine strikeouts okay so he's so he's hit the ball he's just not getting on base by hitting correct correct i was like yeah but he's like man he's not even making contact wow no 16 at bats three runs two hits um one was a home run uh in the alds obviously um and nine strikeouts he's batting 125 in the alds yeah and I, i I think he would be better off in the three position. But with Schwarber, though, like, do you put him down in the fifth spot? Because you've got Gene Segura. You've got yeah. Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, um, Reese Hoskins, 
and the list goes on. Like, where do you, yeah. where else do you push Schwarber? You want to get him at bats. Yeah, I don't know. Right? That's the hard thing about that lineup is that they should be crushing everybody, but they're not. Agreed. So then you switch it over, and we're going to go look at the uh, – let's look at um, San Diego lineup. really quick because the Padres lineup is also very exciting. Where is it? Come on now. So I've got Josh Bell, Thank Jake you. Cronenworth, the, the revelation, the postseason revelation, Trent Grisham. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Manny Machado has been the most dangerous out of all of them. Juan Soto quietly been three for went three for sixteen with one walk, one strikeout. He had a double, scored three runs. Um, this is not the Juan Soto we were expecting to show up. I wonder if he's just getting warmed up. Mm. For his sake, I hope that's the case. It's possible. Because I would. I'd. I don't know if I'd feel bad for him or be embarrassed for him that he just like goes to San Diego and forgets how to play baseball. Yeah. I don't know. That would be crazy. Either way, it's a rut row, big time. Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, okay, so I just looked up the spread really quick. Tuesday, 8 o'clock, Phillies against the Padres. The spread is a net, is a minus 205 on Philly side and a plus 175 on San Diego side. So the Phillies are the favorites. The Phillies Let's are the favorites. A, see if I can get a They're, run line. And it's over 1.5. One, the one point is I don't know how to talk gambling. 1.5 over. And it's un, the under. San Diego's under at 1.5. Brad, take it away with the betting. <laughs> so so that, <laughs> that actually makes sense. The run line's always a run and a half. So that means that yeah, exactly. Padres are a run and a half favor, which is it's always the case. Um, but the over-under is set at six and a half. So yeah, I would expect there to be seven runs scored in this game. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. That's a three to four ball game. Yeah, with the offenses these teams have, just like even with the pitching they have, I would ex- I would expect seven runs to be scored in this game. That makes sense. So, you know what's funny is collectively, they're um, the Padres starting lineup is batting two fifty one, two forty two, two ninety eight. That's Manny Machado. 263, 240, 261, 243. That regular, those are regular season averages? Regular season averages, and then 251. Uh-huh. Now, I think those are, because this has been a pitching year, that those make a lot of sense. Yeah. That everybody's is dropped down, you know, 20 points or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's just but for the post, or at least for the for the NLDS, Manny Machado hit 357. Yeah. And Jake Cronenworth hit 438. Oh, <laughs> what about Trent Grisham? Trent Grisham's 308. That's awesome, man. Good for him. Cronenworth at so, 438. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, and he had that that go ahead single that got him to second at toward yeah. the end of the game the other day. He's he's been a big deal. Yeah. Um so give me your prediction for this series, Brig. What I want or what I predict are two different things. Um <laughs> As it is always, I I am gonna say, uh, it hurts my heart. Um, I want to see 
Gosh, dang it. I don't even know what I want, Brad. I don't even know what I want. I'm needless and wantless in this situation. Well, the thing that's hard is that we can't be like, well, I've discounted this team, so I'm going to pick them now because we we wrote both of these teams off. We did. So what I would both love in the wild to see. Round. Exactly. So what I would love to see is I want to see I want to see all seven games played. Um, I want back and forth games. Um, I I don't necessarily need high scoring. I want one game that's super low scoring pitching duel. I want to see a no-no bid go through six. I don't care if it's broken up after that, but I want to see a no-no go through six. And I want to uh, I want to see either the San Diego Padres or the Phillies go to the World Series. So that's what I want. <laughs> I like it. What so do you I want? Have one, I have one thing very specific that I want because I want all those things as well. I want it to be back and forth, seven games. I'd like to see one like one to nothing gritty pitching yeah. duel. Not yeah. not one that goes eighteen innings because that took my whole day. Um, as oh, Brig, stress eating man. I know it's 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 over now. It's just Halloween candy. But anyways, <laughs> no one thing I, I do want to see like a thirteen inning, twelve to ten game. Oh, that would be amazing! Slugfest like what we yeah. had in what was it 2019, 2018? No, it was twenty seventeen. It was the year that the Astros won. Yeah, like that game was amazing. I want yeah. one of those again, where it's just like back and forth for 13 innings, and it's just like, oh, shoot, there's the game winner right there. No, it's not. He just tied yeah. it up. They're going to win right here. Oh, he got right. out of oh, just crazy. A home run derby and extras. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I want one of those because it was so much fun. It like, was. I specifically remember that night I had like a whole list of things I was going to do. I didn't do any of them. No, of course not. Because I was – we had our TV mounted on our wall up above our fireplace. And I was like this close to it the whole time. Just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I want another one of those. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Jason says, I want him to die. No, Jason, yeah, I don't no. want you to die. But if you do, I'll be right there with you because it'll yeah. just be amazing. Because I was on the heart attack this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all get to, we'll all get inspected by our physicians as soon as the season's <laughs> over, see, as we always do. Yeah. Set up your point, set up an appointment with your cardiologist on November 8th. Baseball go. family, we are going to talk about the ALCS on Thursday. We're going to go live on Thursday and we'll give you all of our prep and reactions to the ALDS on that day. That'll be at 9:30 p.m. Eastern on all of these same platforms, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Please join us then for our second live of the week. That's right. And, and that's going to be one of our last. We're uh, we're only going live through the playoffs, uh, so be sure to jump on there. And if you have any questions for us, jump in the comments. We had some great conversations tonight. It's very happy to see that. It's a lot of fun. I love when you guys chime in. Uh, don't be afraid to jump in the comments on YouTube, Facebook. I don't know if Twitch lets you comment, but if you can, go ahead and jump in because we yeah. always welcome it. If it's between episodes, hop in the mailbag on baseballtogether.com and send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, and always your Snyder marks as well, Brig, tell them about the shop. Hey, baseball family, we have a store where you can buy cool stuff, and it's super fun. Um, I'm wearing my Baseball Things t-shirt as a nod to our – we actually have a whole line of um, pop culture-inspired baseball apparel, so you can jump on there and get that. I've got a hat with the same design on it that is just fabulous. So um, jump on there, get yourself something nice, and if you want a discount on the shop as you prepare for Christmas presents, etc., then go ahead and tag that link. I just posted the link again to the survey. That'll guarantee you, complete the survey, guarantee you 20% off the shop. 
Um, and then the discounts get even bigger when you jump um, on a phone call with Brad and I. So we're looking forward to that. We cannot wait to talk to you. And one thing we wanted to make sure you know is that we are pushing really hard on YouTube right now. We are loving YouTube. It's a ton of fun for us. It's been a really cool space. So go ahead and like us on there. Subscribe, hit the bell, and make sure that you get in on all the content we drop. Um, We post highlights from the shows. We post the full episodes. There's lots of ways to interact with us on the YouTube machine. And with that, baseball family. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week.